0: Well, welcome to our home, to some, I guess, I guess we're going to be calling it virtual hospitality. Well, we may be doing a lot of that in the weeks and maybe months to come. So you're actually seeing me this morning rather than just than just uh, hearing me like last week, which may be a mixed blessing. I don't know. I, I don't know how I'm going to do on video. So you do need to pray. You you need to pray, like one woman said, pray for our pastor that he would not look like someone in a Bin Laden capture video. <laughs> Hopefully, that won't be the case here. I don't, I don't know. This will be. This is where I sit uh, every morning for my devotions. These days, I'm looking forward to them more than ever, as I'm sure many of you are too which is uh, just the beginning of what God's gonna do through all this because his deepest agenda through everything is to draw us nearer to him and and others too who don't know him because everything we need, everything the world needs, no matter what's happening in the world, can flow from him. So at around five or six in the morning, I uh, get up, get my cup of joe, Uh, in a mug that comes from my favorite coffee shop in Breckenridge by the same name. Come over here, sit down, take a sip. Nothing like coffee in the morning. And I'm good to go. And then I turn on the fire and I'm all the more good to go. And all the more as I see the fire of the sun rise through the windows right over there. I'll often turn this fire on even in the summer because I've always loved fires. I love lighting fires. Well, not in a bad way, not in a pyro, whatever that is, maniacal way or whatever, but I think, and I'm sure many of you do too, they're endlessly fascinating. They're the same, but always changing. They're alive, but not at all like we are, just like the Lord. And just like Him, they enlighten, they purify in painful ways, they're a warm place to come when it's cold outside. They destroy forests because that's how God manages his forests, or at least he tries to, to bring greater life, and that's how he manages our lives. In fact, according to scripture, a fire, not it's idolatry to picture him in any other way, according to scripture, but as a fire. That's the closest thing we will get to picturing him. That's why he appeared to Moses in a burning bush. That's why uh, in the Song of Solomon it says that his love is a consuming fire. That's why we saw in Psalm 104 that wildfires are his ministers. That's why again and again the scripture compares him to the sun. That's why I find it so interesting that they're calling it the coronavirus. I don't know, but maybe they're speaking more than they know. The word can mean either a crown or the sun's corona, which is the outermost part of the sun's atmosphere. It's what you see during a solar eclipse, incredible heat resplendently, brightly all around the darkness of the sun. Could this be his corona fire? Whether or not it is, we know. He works all things after the counsel of his will. He's sovereign through it all, even through corona fire. That's why Jim Murphy came up to me or he came near me last Sunday morning during our prayer time in the sanctuary. And he said, you know you know 2 Chronicles 7, 14? And I said, well, yeah, if my people are called by, uh, my, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, I will hear their prayer and heal their land and famous verse. But then he said, do you know 2 Chronicles 13? And I said, no, as a matter of fact, I don't. And then he read it to me. If I shut up the heavens, so there is no rain, or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send a plague upon my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray. Which we've already done, if you think about it, last year for 40 days through daily prayers of repentance And now Jim's writing daily devotionals and prayers for us. And this is one of them. One of them for this week is on 2 Chronicles 13 and 14. These devotionals and prayers will help us get on the same page each day. So let's all do it together. You'll be getting these by email starting tomorrow. And they'll also be on our website. If my people humble themselves and pray. This week, his focus will be on God's sovereignty. And though he didn't plan it, that's my focus too. Could this be his corona fire? As I said, whether or not it is, we know he works all things, as the scripture says, after the counsel of his will. He's sovereign through it all, even through corona fire. He's certainly burning away many of our impurities as a nation. He's purging us of our idolatries, canceling many events that we used to maybe worship too much. He's shining the light on many of our iniquities. He's bringing us to our knees. And it's not just us. He's doing the same with the nations. Like, like David he would in Psalm 9, Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let them know that they are but men. Again and again in scripture, God compares himself to a fire. And when things are ablaze out there, more than anything, we need the warmth of his love in here and even more in here. Which is why I come here every morning like never before, because it feels like being close to him. That's that's what we need under any circumstances, but especially under these circumstances that we're in. Under everything else, we need the warmth of his love. Uh, embrace especially when he disciplines us we need to be leaning on the everlasting arms which you might call this talk so how do we respond to what's going on around us in a way that makes us some earthly good for those who are in need around us I'd like to talk about today about the difference and bear with me here the difference between a sick child and a hurt bird and it all has to do with leaning on him We're gonna see today that hard times ought to make us more like one than the other, more like sick children than hurt birds. Makes a subtle but powerful difference no matter what you're going through. Really, it makes all the difference in the world. How so? Well, Professor Bruce Waltke of Dallas Theological Seminary said that once he rescued a wren, a wren is a, a little songbird. He said he rescued a wren from the claws of their cat. He said, its wing was broken, it couldn't fly, but still it tried to escape my loving hands. And then he said this, contrast this to my daughter's recent trip to a doctor. Apparently she had strep throat, so she needed a shot and he was holding her and as they gave her the shot, she was saying, no daddy, no daddy, no daddy. And yet she kept holding him tightly around the neck. She kept holding him tightly around the neck conclusion he said hard times ought to make us more like sick children than hurt birds what are you feeling these days the bird felt like it was at the mercy of a stranger of something that was like completely other like the coronavirus the child was in the arms of the father We're going to see today that we don't have to be like wounded animals because we are children of the Heavenly Father, those of us who have come to the Father through Christ Jesus, our Savior. And so when life gets hard, we can lean hard on the one who, as someone said, upholds the government of worlds because he's now Christ, our Father. Like Fernando Ortega sings, the Lord of Eternity is the Father of Mercy, who's God Almighty, whose sovereignty rules over all. Or like R.C. Sproul said, his providence is such that there is no maverick molecule, to which I would add, there is no maverick virus. God is at (laughs) work. At the very least, he got so mad at us for fighting down here, someone said, I read this last night, he got so mad at us for fighting down here that he sent us all to our rooms. It's all in Romans chapter eight. If you have your Bibles, you might wanna turn there. We'll be skipping from Romans two to Romans eight because before we go any further uh, in chapter two into the judgments of God in history, into uh, the relentless love of God, who's a consuming fire as we've been calling it, we need to make sure that we're leaning on the everlasting arms. So for five or six weeks, we'll skip ahead to Romans eight. Then Lord willing, we'll be ready for more teaching from Romans two. Now, Romans 1 to 7 is all about how God uh, gets us into his arms through his severe mercy, as we've been seeing in Romans 1 and 2, and how he gets us there theologically, as we'll see in the chapters that follow. But Romans 8 is about the difference that all that makes practically. Romans 8 is more than just a conclusion to Romans 1 to 7. It's a celebration of the difference all these chapters make practically, theologically, Uh, relationally with our Father. It's really a symphonic celebration because it comes in four parts. Uh, Paul moves from the theology of Romans 1-7 to to this like doxology where he celebrates the greatest gifts of grace. We see the four greatest gifts and they're like orchestrated into these four stately movements one this week what do we get through grace as a result of all he's done one intimacy intimacy with the father that's verses 14 to 17. two next week glory forever that's verses 18 to 25. three destiny that's verses 26 to 30 and four security no matter what that's verses 31 to 39 and it all begins with the first movement, with who we are, with our identity as children, children of the heavenly Father, which under it all can give us a soul anchoring intimacy with him. According to 1 Peter three eighteen, this is the whole reason why Christ came and died. Who died for sins once for all, he says, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. He came to bring us to the Father. And today we'll see how we can make live contact with him in a way that's, that's pertinent, to put it mildly, that's relevant to what's going on uh, around us. Romans 8, starting in verse 14. For you have not received the spirit of fear, leading to, uh, of slavery, leading to fear again. You've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. What's the antidote to fear? But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are now children of God. Abba, Father, intimacy, because of our identity as children of God. He's saying that the fundamental difference that all that theology makes is that God is now our Father. Under everything else, Christ came again to bring us to the Father. And under everything else, the Spirit, the Spirit, he says here, bears witness that he is our Father, who's sovereign over all. And then verse 17, and if children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we, get this, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let me read that again. And if children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This verse colors the whole passage, the whole chapter. Paul's saying that now that we're his offspring, we will experience many different kinds of suffering. Life will get hard. So we'd better learn to, you might say, lean hard as we cry, Abba, Father. But it's not just any father we're talking about here. It's not just like this grandfather in the sky who who winks at our sin. Paul's point here is that it's the God of glory that we now call Father. He's the Father of glory who longs for us to share in his glory and who won't rest until we do. He loves us unconditionally the way we are, and yet he loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. And so we suffer in order that we suffer for the sake of the splendor that we'll share as a result of the suffering. When we will shine like the sun, it says in Matthew 11, S-U-N, just like him, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father as a result of it all. God's talking about his discipline in the here and now that results in glorification in the hereafter. The main point of these four verses has to do with When, They're about when we need to cry, Abba, Father. When we need the Spirit to bear witness to us that we're children of God. When we most need that. When it's most important for us to know that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When? Verse 17. When we suffer. When we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. No pain, no gain no gods, no glory, no discipline, no heaven. So we'd better learn about intimacy with the Father as our sole anchor uh, through all the agony. Paul's point is just that. We'll be talking today about two of the most, the deepest fundamentals of the Christian walk, the fundamental doctrine that he's now our Father, and the fundamental practice of coming to him, calling unto him, clinging to him when we suffer, crying, Abba, Father. Romans 8.15 has a very focused application if you look at its immediate and at its far context. It's that while we no longer have the fear of condemnation to contend with, we do have the Father of glory to contend with. And so there's still some pain to contend with for, for all of us who fall short of his glory because he glorifies us through the suffering he allows which Paul goes on to talk about through the rest of this chapter. He talks about the groaning that we have within ourselves and the tribulation, as he says, and the distress and the persecution and the famine and the nakedness and the peril and the sword, that he works for the greater good of our glory. That is to be conformed, as he says, to the image of his son. That's the famous verse, 11 verses later, Romans 8.28. All things work together to that end, to the point that there's no maverick molecule no maverick virus. That's the context of our verses for today. According to Hebrews, all these now have a disciplinary effect in the hands of the Father. And Paul sums up the application of it all here in verse 15, because the way we make it through all that affliction is by calling on Him. Now, the word that Paul uses here for calling is cry out uh, in the Greek, cry out to the Father. It's uh, best translated that way, and it occurs in many other places. Like when Peter, he was sinking into the sea, he cried out. That's the same word, "Lord, save me." That's typical of how it's used. Like Barn, ba, uh, blind Bart- Bartimaeus cried out, same word, saying, "Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me." Mark ten forty seven. You will never survive all the suffering, or you'll needlessly prolong it or you'll be or feel alone in all of it unless you come to him and cling to him and cry out to him in all your, you might say, Gethsemanes by crying Abba Father, just like he did in his Gethsemane. It's the kindergarten of survival through the discipline by which we share in his glory to act like hurt children who cling to him, not sick birds who fly from Him. That, I think, will be our test in the week and the perhaps months to come as we experience some corona fires. You know, Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote a classic sermon called Songs in the Night. His point uh, was that we alone as Christians can sing songs in the night times of our lives that for others are like nightmares. He put it this way, there is a subject for song, even in the judgments of God, by which he means the disciplines of God towards us. Faith sees that in her worst sorrow, there is nothing penal. There is not a drop of God's wrath in it. It is all sent in love. Faith learns, uh, discerns love gleaming like a jewel on the breast of an angry God. Faith says of her grief, This is a badge of honor for the child must feel the rod. And in the end, she sings the sweet result of her sorrows because they all work for her greater good. It's like the Chinese pastor in the city of Wuhan wrote two months ago after they'd been shut down by the coronavirus, a city of 11 million was a ghost town. It seemed so far from here. People were dying all around him long before it was on our radar screens in America. He wrote this to believers in America. He said, when when disaster strikes for us, listen to this, it is but a form of God's love. That's right out of Romans 8. When disaster strikes for us, it is but a form of God's love. Thus, my brothers and sisters in America, I encourage you to be strong in Christ's love. If we, more if we more deeply experience death in this pestilence, we may more deeply experience Christ's love and grow ever nearer to God. Will you grow ever nearer to God through this pestilence, through all this discipline? Will you call on him or will you cry, uh, fly from him? You know, I'll never forget the time that I had to discipline my son Jordan for something that he had done when he was around seven years old. I told him to go to his bed while I decided what to do. And I took a minute to pray about it, uh, to deal with the anger that was in me. And as I did, it, be very, it became very clear that his spanking was in order. Well, I went upstairs, I got the wooden spoon from the kitchen and I went back down and sat on the couch and I called him out. And when he saw the spoon, He didn't seem surprised, nor was he like a wounded bird. Rather he said, Daddy, I know you need to do this because you love me. Oh, Daddy, please hug me. So I hugged him and I said, I love you, honey. He said, I love you too, Daddy. And he kept holding me and kissing my neck and saying, I love you, Daddy, I love you so much. I love you too, honey, I love you so much. He let go took a couple of steps back and then and then he just kept on going he said something like this he said i i know what i did was very bad and you you make it go away when you spank me you 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 take it from me you you do it because god tells you to you love me too much to let you to let me keep doing it don't you daddy yes i do honey you better turn over now Oh, daddy, I love you. Me too, honey, I love you. Daddy, I, I, I know all things work together for good. Those were his very words right out of Romans 8. And I thought, huh, I better do this now or I'm never gonna do it. Just do it, Brian. That's the way the father feels. So I turned him over and he just laid there. And I felt like Abraham with Isaac and down came the wooden spoon. Soon he was weeping in my arms, but then he started talking again. He, he had such a clean spirit, and we laid there for the longest time. Later that night, I told Julie and Rachel about, uh, about uh, he, oh no, he told Julie and Rachel that he was glad that I did it. Just like Spurgeon wrote, faith says of her grief, this is a badge of honor for the child must feel the rod. And in the end, she sings the sweet result of her sorrows because they all work for her greater good. It's just like the Psalmist wrote, "'I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right,' Psalm 119.75, "'and that you and faithfulness have afflicted me.'" Or Psalm 119.71, "'It is good for me that I have been afflicted, "'that I might learn your testimonies.'" You know, it's like the father that I recently buried. His son, Dan, said this about him. He said, From an early age, Dad uh, taught right from wrong, and he passed that down to Darlene and I. When I got in trouble, there were consequences. My dad would send me uh, uh, to to my room so he could compose himself and think about the proper punishment, which was good and not bad. The bad was that I knew he was coming, and sometimes it took a while. The good was never, uh, I was never punished out of anger. He used the coin phrase, this is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you, and I think, yeah, right, until I saw the tears in his eyes, which I always did. There was always a good talking to, an explanation beforehand, and always a big hug afterwards. While there was punishment, there was also unconditional love and forgiveness. He was compassionate, loving, very strong, with a kind heart. This was foundational for me for the rest of my life. That's our Heavenly Father. That's the kind of Father we all have who know Christ Jesus as our Savior and it's foundational to our lives, to embrace him in the fire, and what he does through the fire. As we experience death with his pestilence, as the Chinese pastor said, may we more deeply experience Christ's love and grow ever nearer to God. So the application to all this all turns on verses 15 and 16. In the New Living Bible, it translates this way, You should not be like cowering, fearful slaves, or as Bruce Waltke put it, like hurt birds. Are you cowering like a fearful slave to this global fire, this fire of circumstances, circumstances that are in your Father's hands, just like you are? You should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father, for his Holy Spirit speaks deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. Daddy, I know you need to do this because you love me. According to Romans 7 and 8, the heart of the Christian walk is to come to him, is to come to Him as wretched sinners, that was before our passage for today, and to come to Him as frightened children, because for both, He is the answer. Supremely, when we suffer, we cry, Abba Father. So how do you do that? Well, it means more than just mouthing a few words. It means to talk to Him, and as you do, to lean hard, on him rather than pushing him away one poet put it this way it's like the father says to says this to us child of my love lean hard and let me feel feel the pressure of your care I know your burden child I shaped it poised it in my own hand and made it no proportion in its weight to your unaided strength For even as I laid it on, I said, I will be near. And while he leans on me, this burden will be mine, not his. So I will keep my child in the circling arms of my own love. So lay it down, my child, do not fear. Do not fear to impose it on a shoulder which upholds the government of worlds. Come closer, come. You are not near enough. I would embrace your care, feel the full treasure of my love resting on my breast. Do you love me? I know you do. Don't doubt then, but loving me, lean hard. And just how do you do this? Well, first and foremost, you lean hard on him by staying true to him. As we saw last week, which is the opposite of many, what many do. Many fly from him. If this is what being a Christian means, I'm out of here. So this could be a time of purification for the church of separating the wheat from the chaff. If you're a true believer, you'll stay true to him in your hour of need and you'll call on him. Like the psalmist did again and again. In some way, again, and we've talked about this before, this is what the psalms are all about. More often than not, they're crying, Abba, Father. And so you go to the psalms, maybe every day in your devotions, maybe several times a day, you cry out like they did. Psalm 35, to you, O Lord, he says, I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, in you I trust. He's leaning hard. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exalt over him. And then he moves into his desire to stay true to him in his time of need, which you see over and over in the Psalms. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Make me to know your ways. Lead me in your truth. And then he says in Psalm 57, "'Be gracious to me, O oh God, be gracious to me, for my, "'for my soul takes refuge in you.'" He's leaning hard. "'And in the shadow of your wings, "'I will take refuge until the destruction passes by. "'I will cry to God most high, "'to God who accomplishes all things for me. "'My heart is steadfast. Oh, my heart is steadfast, O oh Lord, that is, I'm staying true to you. You can cry, Abba, Father, by really praying the Psalms. Because sometimes we need the help of other Psalms, uh, of other prayers, especially when we are hurting and don't know how to pray as we ought. And so we piggyback on the Psalms and on other Psalms and hymns that bring the truth home to the heart. I mentioned Fernando Ortega earlier. He wrote a song called Lord of Eternity that God used powerfully in my own life um, uh, when I lost my father in 2002, and it was harder than I ever imagined it it, it would be. Um, Interestingly, uh, Fernando begins by talking about staying true to him and then he calls on him. Blessed is the man who walks in your favor, who loves all your words and hides them like treasure. In the darkest place of his desperate heart, they are a strong, sure light. Sometimes I call on your name, but I cannot find you. I look for your face, but you are not there. By my sorrows, Lord, lead me to you. Lead me, lift me to you lift me up to your side lord of eternity father of mercy look on my fainting soul keeper of all the stars friend of the poorest heart touch me and make me whole do you see what he's doing he's leaning hard on the one who upholds the government of worlds the keeper of all the stars because the Lord of eternity is the Father of all mercy for those who are in abject need. He's crying, Abba Father, just slow down and let this sink in. He goes on to say, if you are my defender, who is against me? No one can trouble or harm me if you are my strength. All I ask, all I desire is to live in your house all my days, Lord of eternity, God of all mercy, come to my troubled soul. Keeper of all the stars, friend of the poorest heart. Touch me and make me whole. Brian Day has uploaded this. If you want to listen to it, just click the worship button uh, next to the sermon. You lean hard by staying true to him in your hour of need and by calling on him in your hour of need through songs and hymns that the Spirit can use to stir us deep in our hearts and let us know that we are His children. Remember, Eternal Father, song, strong to save. I love that hymn. Eternal Father, strong to save, whose arm doth bind the restless wave, who bids the mighty ocean deep, its own appointed limits keep. Oh, hear us when we cry to Thee. Let's practice this right now when we're all together virtually. One of my favorites, one more, is Abide With Me. Abide with me, fast falls the even tide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, abide with me. Swift to its end, ebbs out life's little day. It's just the blink of a life. Lord with me abide, when other help uh, ebbs out life's little day, Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away, Change and decay and all around I see, O thou who changest not, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour, What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? who like thyself, my guide and stay can be through cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me, Abba, Father. There are so many songs and hymns and songs that he's given to help us lean hard on him as we cry, Abba for Father and as Jim Murphy's devotionals will also help you do it's fundamental to everything else in the Christian life because again under everything Christ came to bring us to the Father through whom as it says in Hebrews four sixteen, we have boldness and confident access to him therefore Let us draw near to Him with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And the more we do it, the more we'll go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with and through you all this week. Amen.